Good morning. Welcome. We're glad you're here this this morning. Uh, Please uh, join me as we begin our worship with our responsive reading titled New Beginnings. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In God's great mercy, God has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Therefore, anyone who is in Christ is a new creation. The old has passed and the new has come. I will give them an undivided heart and put a new spirit in them. I will move them from their hearts of stone and give them a heart of flesh. But in keeping with his promise, we are looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth, the home of righteousness.
Please be seated. Good morning. We welcome everyone here today. It's good to have you in God's house this morning, and uh, we welcome you on this first Sunday of 2012. And we pray for your blessings on this day and each day of this year as we enter into this time together. We welcome our guests especially. You're very important to us, and we're glad that you're with us today and hope that you'll feel very much a part of our family as we worship God together. We'd like to invite our guests to drop by our hospitality table on the, uh, on the way out in the uh, foyer there, and we'd like to give you a little gift to, to thank you for your, uh, for your visiting with us today. Let me remind everyone also of the attendance sheets that are on each row. We'd like to ask if you would to take that and to fill it out with as much information as you feel comfortable giving us. Uh, but if you'd like to receive our email newsletter uh, that comes out each Thursday, uh, please be sure to uh, put your email address on there so we can um, uh, put you on the list for that. That's a good way to keep up with the opportunities of service and worship and fellowship that we have here at Community Baptist Church. It's good to be with God's people on uh, this first Sunday of 2012. It's good to be with God's people anytime because we can fellowship with one another and show the love of God with one another. So let me invite you to do just that as we stand and greet each other in the name of the Lord. As we find our seats, let me invite our children to come forward for our children's moment. Miss Mary is up here and uh, will lead us in our children's moment. So children, come on up. doesn't like to come up here. He'll talk to me in the back. Zoe, Miss Zoe's here. Dane, I've got some change here. You remember we're supposed to be putting change in here. You want to come up and put some change in for me? Thank you. Hi, Zoe. We're low on children. We're going to get back in the swing of things soon, but... I've got a real quick story, and, I, and I'm sure the adults will enjoy this story, too. We've told this before in here. First of all, Happy New Year. Looks like some of our kids may be sleeping in this morning. Hi, Zoe. Happy New Year. Yeah, you're going to be shy. Dane, do you know, and I know I'm going to pick on you because you're up here. Do you know what a, um, 
chaplain is? Have you ever heard of that? A chaplain? A chaplain, you know Miss Mary. A chaplain's kind of like Miss Mary. She's a person of the clergy and she's attached to one place like the hospital. You know, she's the chaplain at the hospital. But listen to this story. There was a lady and she was in the hospital and she was almost, she was almost near death. Okay? And a chaplain came to visit this lady. Hmm. And this chaplain was very young and she was, she had long, pretty blonde hair. And she listened to the lady who was ill, and she left her a small gift there at the hospital. Because that's what chaplains do. And that's when Dr. Tim comes, he talks to everybody in the hospital. And you know what she left? She left a frog. Isn't that a strange gift? And I thought New Year's is a good time because, you know, in January and February, we all get all yuck and depressed because it's cold and the holidays are over. So if we think of a frog, what do we think of? Warm, summer. And we'll all need to think of a frog. And there's a reason why we need to think of a frog. The next day, one of the people from the lady's church came to visit her in the hospital. And the lady told her friend about the beautiful young chaplain who had come to visit her. The friend was so impressed that the, the way the lady had improved, she felt better, she was setting up, she was smiling. So this lady from the church was like, I'm going to go find this chaplain and tell her how good she did with this lady. Well, she went around the hospital and she talked to everybody and everybody at the hospital, all the nurses said, well, we don't have a chaplain that has long blonde hair. Hmm. Um, so a nurse came in. So this lady went back to the hospital and a nurse came, uh, the lady from the church went back into the hospital room and, and she was talking to the lady. Well, then a nurse came in. And this nurse noticed the frog. And so once again, um, the nurse made a comment that the chaplain hadn't been there, but a guardian angel had been there. Hmm. So this lady with the long blonde hair is a guardian angel. And you know what this nurse said when she looked at the frog? She said, and I've got some frogs that we're going to color back in children's church. You see that frog, Zoe? But this nurse said, you know what frog stands for? And this is something I want you guys to think about this year, um, especially the next two days as we go back to school and you may be tired and you may be, you loved it being home for a week and a half or so. And it may be tough to get back in the swing of things. So if you want to take your frog with you to school and kind of sneak a peek at your frog every once in a while because we're going to color them and everything, every time you look at the frog, you need to remember that frog stands for, the, how do you spell frog? Okay, first letter is F. That stands for fully. And the next letter is rely. What's the next letter? On. And what do you think the G stands for? Fully rely on. Who can get you through anything bad that has fully rely on God? And that's a little story about this lady that was in the hospital, and she fully relied on God to make her feel better, and that's what the guardian angel brought her a frog for. Okay? So that's something we can all start thinking about the new year. Keep your frog close and fully rely on God when you, get, um, when you can't think of anything else that's going to happen for you. All right? So, Zoe, you want to go back to Children's Church? You want to go with Kelsey? All right. Dane, you want to go back and, and color? Okay.
Would you stand again in honor of God's word? Please. This is from Luke 2, 22 through 40. When the time came for their purification according to the law of Moses, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male shall be designated as holy to the Lord. And they offered a sacrifice according to what is stated in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. This man was righteous and devout, looking forward to the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit rested on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Guided by the Spirit, Simeon came into the temple, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what was customary under the law, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Master, now you are dismissing your servant in peace. According to your word, for my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. And the child's father and mother were amazed at what was being said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to his mother Mary, This child is destined for the falling and the rising of many in Israel, and to be a sign that will be opposed so that the inner thoughts of many may be revealed, and a sword will pierce your own soul too. There was also a prophet, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher. She was of great age, having lived with her husband seven years after marriage, then as a widow to the age of 84. She never left the temple, but worshipped there with fasting and prayer night and day. At that moment, she came and began to praise God and to speak about the child to all who were looking for the redemption of Jerusalem. When they had finished everything required by the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee to their own town of Nazareth. The child grew and became strong, filled with wisdom, and the favor of God was upon him. Word of the Lord.
Listen prayerfully to, to this thought and then to the offertory prayer. I expect to pass through this world but once. Any good thing, therefore, that I can do or any kindness that I can show to, to any fellow creature, let me do it now. Let me not defer or neglect it, for I shall not pass this way again. O Lord, let us remember that all we are and have are gifts from God, and help us in this new year to give freely with loving and generous hearts in response to your generous gift of your Son for our salvation. Amen.
Thank you, Christine. 
First of all, let me congratulate you on making it to church on this first Sunday of the new year. I guess that means that you have kept at least one of your New Year's resolutions. So good job. And I promise that I will not ask about how you're doing with the rest of them. I heard about one man who went to a wishing well as his first act of the new year. And he wrote a note saying, Dear Wishing Well, my personal wish in 2012 is a big fat bank account and a slim body. Please do not mix these two up like you did last year. Well, we all hope for a better new year, don't we? For ourselves, for our church, for our country, and for our families. And I believe that this lesson from the Gospel of Luke for today is a good way to start off our new year. Because this tells us about a time in the life of a young family who is standing at the brink of a new experience themselves. It's about a young couple who presented their child to God. And many of you who have children have done that at one time or another. And and you know how significant that can be in the life of a family. But Luke tells us that when the time came for the purification rites required by the law of Moses... Joseph and Mary took Jesus to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. This was one of the primary duties of a first century Jewish family. According to Leviticus 12, while they were presenting their son before God, the family was supposed to offer a sacrifice of a year-old lamb. But in Leviticus 12, verse 8, it says, When the days of her purification for a son or a daughter are over, She is to bring to the priest a year-old lamb for a burnt offering. But if the mother cannot afford a lamb, she is to bring two doves or two young pigeons. So in other words, if you can afford it, you are to offer a lamb. If you can't afford it, you are to offer two doves. And that, of course, is what Mary and Joseph did when they presented Jesus to God. They made the offering of the poor. And we'll come back to that in a few minutes. But Luke's story continues. As he says, there was a righteous man in Jerusalem named Simeon who was waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was with him. In fact, it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Messiah. And so he went to the temple, and when Mary and Joseph brought Jesus in for his dedication... Simeon took the child into his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. Luke tells us that Joseph and Mary marveled at what was said about Jesus. And then Simeon blessed them. And said to Mary, this child is destined to cause the falling and the rising of many people in Israel. And will be a sign that will be spoken against so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed. And then he said, and a sword will pierce your own soul too. Now, there are some very important lessons 
that we can learn from this story. Especially those of us who have families. Because, folks, it can be very challenging to have families in these days, can't it? I read a, a funny story recently about a father and his eight-year-old son who were, who were lying in the grass by the riverbank. And they were just enjoying the day, looking up at the sky and watching the wisps of clouds as gently float by. And after a few moments of silence, the boy turned to his father and said, Dad... Why are we here? And so the father waxed philosophical. He said, that's a good question, son. I think we are here to enjoy days such as this, to experience nature in all of its glory, the vastness of the sky, the beauty of the trees, the song of the birds, the rippling flow of the water. We're here to to help make the world a better place, to pass on our wisdom to future generations who will hopefully profit from our achievements and learn from our mistakes. We're here to savor the small triumphs of life, passing your school exams, the birth of a, a new family member, a promotion at work, a win for the home team. And we're here to comfort those dearest to us in times of distress and to provide kindness and compassion, support and strength to them, and to let them know that no matter what, no matter how bad a situation may seem, they're not alone. Does that answer your question, son? And the boy answered, well, Dad, not really. No, asked the father. No, replied the son. What I really meant was, why are we here when Mom told us to pick her up 40 minutes ago? Now, it's not easy having a family, is it? It's always filled with challenges. There are always difficulties to face when we have a family. And, and it was not easy for Mary and Joseph either. Let's begin with Mary and Joseph's social status and their economic status. Don't you think it's fascinating that they could not afford to purchase a small lamb to present at the temple for Jesus' dedication. They had to settle for a pair of doves, which meant that they were not a, a family of means. They were poor. Now, do you know of any young families that are struggling to make it in this tough economic environment in which we live? Maybe you are one of those families. And probably all of us know a family that's struggling to get by. Well, here's some good news for you. You're not alone. You're not alone. Even the parents of our Lord struggled just as surely as you may be struggling today. But you may be asking, why doesn't God make it easier for me financially? But if God was going to, to help anyone with their finances, surely it would have been Mary and Joseph. So maybe there are some things that God just leaves up to us. Or maybe, maybe God wants us to see that there are some things that we can give to our children that are much more important than material wealth, like our time and our attention and our spiritual guidance and our, our moral example. I heard about one 
typical all-American family of four, a mother and father, son and daughter, who showed up at a family counselor's office. The session quickly became a shouting match with everyone competing for attention and demanding that their plight was worse than the others. My family demands that I do every for, everything for them, the mother moaned, and they never take responsibilities for themselves, she said. The father complained about the lack of respect he felt. When I speak, nobody listens to me, so it's just useless to keep on speaking. Stop yelling, the nine-year-old son interjected. All you do is, is all you ever do is yell. And the teenage daughter sat quietly in the corner, just looking sad and, and dejected. She never said a word. Everyone, please be quiet, the counselor shouted over the din of whining and complaining. And so everyone stopped talking in mid-sentence. And then the counselor said this. He said, your family is missing something, and I'll tell you what it is. Tonight... And every night until I see you again, I want you to eat supper together at the dinner table and hold hands and say grace before you eat. Well, that's preposterous, the mother complained. If we do that, that would mean that we would, we would have to miss practices and lessons, and, and we don't even like the same things for dinner. I'm too busy working, the father said. I have to work all the time, sometimes late into the night, so that this ungrateful family can have the best that money can buy. I don't want to hold hands and pray, the son cried. We don't even go to church. The teenager still just sat there and said nothing, just hung her head in silence. Well, they're still fighting as they went out the door and continued to argue on their way home. But that night, they said grace and ate dinner together for the first time in a long time. It was uncomfortable. It was a little uncomfortable at first, but they got through it with just a, a little fighting. And each day, it became more and more natural. They even invented their own prayers. And when they saw the counselor a couple of weeks later, he remarked on the smiles that he saw all around the room on their faces, including the teenager who finally spoke. And she said, that's the best advice we've ever gotten. I got the chance to see my mom and my dad and my brother every day for at least a few minutes. And they all agreed and shared a family hug. That family found that over time they were able to become a real family. A family that was able to show that they really cared for one another. And apparently Mary and Joseph, could they were not able to surround their, their child with loads of material goods, but they could surround him with their love. And they could give him their, their time and their attention and their spiritual and moral guidance that he needed. And we need to, and that's important for us to realize, even though he was the Son of God, we need to remember that he was a real boy. He emptied himself when he became a human being, and he needed the, the love and the nurture of his family. You know, many parents may feel guilty that, that they can't give their children the nice toys and the expensive playthings that some parents may be able to give their children. But you know something? The 
shouldn't feel guilty about that. The only thing to feel guilty is about is if you are letting them grow up without the feeling of being loved. Because that's the most important thing. And so a good way to start out this new year would be to, for all of us to take stock of the time that, that you take as a family and remembering God. But notice the second thing. Mary and Joseph had no idea what lay ahead of them. You know, you would think that, that when we read the Christmas story that Mary and Joseph could, could look forward to a charmed life. I mean, after all, their son was the Messiah. So you would think that life would be easy for them. But little did they know what lay ahead of them. As Mary and Joseph offered up a the sacrifice of a pair of, of, of two turtle doves, could they possibly have imagined that their son would one day be offered up as the sacrifice to end all sacrifices? Could they, in their wildest dreams, have, have seen where this happiest of occasions would one day lead? That the son that they dedicated to God would one day kneel in a garden and with drops of sweat as great drops of blood, would dedicate himself to God's will as he prayed, not my will, but your will be done. The biblical record is very clear that Mary and Joseph could not see where God was, was leading their son. And, and neither could the rest of their family. It was only after the, the resurrection that they really understood what Jesus was all about and why he came. But Luke tells us that by God's Holy Spirit, Spirit, Simeon immediately recognized that this was the Christ child. And he announced it to Jesus' parents. And, and how did they react? Well, Luke tells us that they marveled at what he said about Jesus. And then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, this child is destined to cause the falling and the rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed and a sword will pierce your own soul too. Do you hear that? And a sword will pierce your own soul too. Let me ask you something. Could there be a more terrible sword than watching your son die on the cross? My friends, when we bring a child into the world, we have no idea what the future may hold for that child. And that's why no matter how old they may get, it's a parent's inclination and prerogative to worry. We all do. No matter how old our children get, we, we worry about our children's well-being. And that's a lifetime commitment. And there's plenty to worry about when you're a parent, regardless of how old your child may be. Even late into life, you worry about their health and their finances and whether they are happy and their home life is secure. But none of us knows what the future may hold for ourselves or for those that we love. In fact, there's only one thing that we can know for sure. 
as we enter into this new year. And it's the same thing that Mary and Joseph knew. And here it is. Both we and those who we love are in God's hands. We are in God's hands. We don't know what the future may hold. We, may, we don't know what 2012 will be like. We pray and we hope that it's going to be a wonderful year for all of us. But we don't know. But we do know that our lives are in God's hands. Now that doesn't mean that life will always be smooth for us. Everyone encounters bumps along the road and all of us get discouraged from time to time, sometimes even bitter. But we don't give up. For we trust that the hand of God is always leading us to the next step. We may not know what that next step may be until we take it. But God is always there leading us. It's kind of like a church that Reverend Suzanne Watson tells about. uh, St. David's Episcopal Church in in, uh, San Diego, California. This is a picture of the church in the front of the church there. She says that, that from the parking lot there's a long winding path that leads to the sanctuary landscaped with with trees and and plants that are indigenous to the Holy Land and and walking through the olive trees and the beautiful flowers, the first thing that a visitor sees is is a solid, even cracked, unfinished concrete portico extending over the worship area, over the entrance of the worship worship area. The stark brokenness of this entrance is, is startling, but even more shocking is the support or the lack thereof. You see, it, it appears to be held up by, by two massive concrete pillars. But if you look closely, the pillars stop about two inches below the overhang. And so it appears that there's nothing supporting this, this massive cracked overhang. One wary guest asks, is it structurally sound? The answer is yes. It was all constructed in full compliance with the state's building codes. But the architect intentionally designed the real support to be invisible. You see, the entry to that sanctuary represents all people as we come to Christ. Broken and unfinished, says Watson. And although we may have many visible and tangible supports on our Christian, Christian path, such as scripture and worship and the sacraments and our faith community, that last two inches of our Christian journey is built on faith. Faith in things that we cannot see. Mary and Joseph trusted in that which they could not see. They were just like most other families that we know. They struggled with their finances. They tried their best to raise their son. And, but there was a lot of evidence that they didn't really understand him. And so 
They lived by faith. That invisible two inches that we all must embrace. And they made it. In fact, they raised a son who perfectly found and followed the will of God for his life. And so can we. So let us know that no matter what our circumstances may be, God is with us. And let us live our lives and raise our families with faith in the one who leads us and is always by our side. Amen. We're going to sing together hymn number 484, Higher Ground. And this is an opportunity for you to respond to the working of the Holy Spirit in your life. God's dealing in your life in some way today. We invite you to to respond. If you've never made a commitment to Christ, we invite you to make that commitment today or if you're looking for a church home to join as, as, a, as a member of our, of our church, we invite you to do that today. There's no better time to do that than the first, first Sunday of the year. If you just need a time of prayer, we invite you to come and pray. If God's dealing in your heart in any way, we invite you to come as we sing Higher Ground, number 484. Would you come? Just a few announcements I'd like to uh, make today. First of all, we wish you all a blessed and Christ-filled New Year. Uh, this is the first Sunday of, of New Year, and of course, a, a good resolution would be your regular attendance and worship services, just in case you're looking for uh, an extra resolution to uh, add to your list this year, and we would encourage you to do that. A couple of things that are coming up this week. I'll remind you that on Wednesday we will be resuming our regular Wednesday uh, schedule at 5.15. We'll be having uh, children's and adult choirs at 5.15. 
And then at 5.45, we'll be having dinner. Then at 6.30, our Bible study and youth and children's missions activities will begin on Wednesday. Also, our recreation team has been very active and uh, planning things for the upcoming year, and I'm excited about some of the things going on. Uh, beginning next Sunday, next Sunday evening, we're going to be having open volleyball here. And you don't have to be a great volleyball player. We are here just to have fun. But uh, we invite you to come and share that time as we uh, just have fun together and, and throw the ball around and bounce it around and just, uh, just in, mostly just to enjoy one another's fellowship. So we invite you to come and be a part of that as well. Let us bow for our benediction. Oh God, may we all enter into this new year with the understanding that we're making a fresh start. May we begin this year by discarding all of those thoughts and attitudes and habits that are not compatible with a life of beauty to which we've been called. Let us let go of whatever has caused past discouragements and disappointments or disagreements and open ourselves up to new ideas and new activities and new relationships. Each day, O oh God, let us follow a fresh plan of fulfillment. Let us act on God's ideas revealed to us in prayer and an inspiration. And therefore, let us enter into this new year with great optimism and joy and enthusiasm. For God goes with us. Amen.